I am not much of a swimmer. I'm not a great swimmer. I mean, I can swim. My wife makes fun of me that I can't, but I can, and, and I can actually prove it because I have my little 10 meters badge that I got when I was in Millington Primary School. That you know that little badge you get and you sew it onto your your swimming trunks and and I still wear those when we go on holidays just to just to prove it's amazing how stretchy that lycra is. Uh, that'll put you off your Sunday lunch right there, Becky. Oh, I'm not even looking over there. Um, but uh, but I, I'm not much of a, a, a. I don't really like the deep end, uh, and I think some of it goes back to a traumatic experience that I had when I was younger. It was our first foreign family holiday. Before that, we went to Costa del Port Rush, and we even got a, a, a week in Blackpool once. And uh, I just have this awful memory of my parents taking us to hear the Nolan sisters. Um, but uh, my, my counsellor says that may or may not be true. Um, but we went to Mallorca for the first time, and it was my first time, I think, on an airplane, and we went to Palmanova. And we were, uh, just it was all new to us, and I think I was probably nine at the time, eight or nine, and my brother was three years older. And, and we made some friends in the apartment, and we were in the pool, and we stayed in the shallow end, because that's what our parents had told us to do. But we were in this rubber dinghy, this inflatable, and somehow we had we drifted down to the deep end. And I remember somehow we lost balance and some people came over to one side and the thing flipped over and, and I went underwater in the deep end and I remember this panic. I thought I was going to drown. It was probably 10 seconds, but it felt like an hour. And even now, all these years later, it is so vivid to me. As I was underwater and I couldn't swim and I was trying to, I mean, I can't swim, but I, I couldn't swim in that moment. And, 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 but I have a 10 meters badge. Um, but I couldn't swim underwater and, and I was trying, and I, I just, I thought, this is me. This is me. I, I, I'm a goner. And, uh, and it felt like a lifetime. And then I managed to grab hold of something or someone and make my way to the surface. And for the rest of that holiday, I, I stayed in the shallow end watching everybody having fun in the deep end. Can I also incidentally say that that was the holiday that my brother, a door closed on his finger and it got chopped off. I'm not saying my parents are negligent. I I wouldn't say that because I just wouldn't. But I'm just saying that that two traumatic experiences in a week is is, is more than the average. Um, But but after that, I was kind of... I've just never been a big fan of the deep end. I don't mind paddling around in the, in the shallow end. And I look down at the deep end and I see everybody diving and I see everybody having fun. But I, I prefer to stay in the shallow end where it's safe and secure and, and familiar. And I think many of us, that's been our experience maybe with the Holy Spirit. We've become Christians and we're in the, the shallow end. We're in, we've got the Holy Spirit and we're, we're, we're paddling around and it's nice and, and and there's a deep end, but we don't really want to go there because, well, we're not really sure there and it doesn't feel as safe. And then sometimes somebody invites us to a meeting or a conference or a service or, or, or you've watched something on Christian TV and, and, and they've said it's the Holy Spirit and all sorts of weird stuff has happened. And maybe you've ventured into one of these meetings and, and some of it was quite unbiblical or some of it was really uncomfortable and, and, and you, you don't want that. That's not what you want for yourself. And so you go back to the, the shallow end. And every now and again you see people in the deep end and they seem to be having such a good time. They seem to have something maybe more that, that you would like and that you don't have. But you don't want to venture back there because 
you have an experience that you keep hearkening back to of what happened to you in the past. And I believe that the Lord wants today and over the next few weeks to say, will you come deeper? I understand what has happened and I understand where you've been. But I want you to come deeper with me. I have more for you. I have more for you, I believe the Lord wants to say. I don't care if you've been a Christian for three weeks or 60 years. The Lord is saying to you, he has more for you. Maybe you're dissatisfied. Maybe deep down you know there's more. Maybe like me, sometimes you look at other believers and you go, have you ever done this? You look at other Christians and you go, they have just something I don't have. Like sometimes you get around people and they just... They just have a presence around them. They have a peace in their life. They have a character. That, and you go, I don't know what it is. There's just something about them that I, I would really, really love to have in my own life. Maybe it's a passion, a joy, a peace, a boldness, an openness about their faith. And maybe you assume it's their personality. You know, they're outgoing. That's, I, I, I'm introverted. And, but actually, it's nothing to do with that. I believe it's to do with just how open, as we're going to see, how much we open our lives to the spirit of the living God. We've been looking in this series that Jesus introduced us to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, going back to the Father, but I'll send you another counselor. Another means another like me. In other words, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but the Holy Spirit is present here on earth. The ministry of God on earth is through the Holy Spirit. And we learned last week that he is a person with a personality. He has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. Remember what we, we learned from the last verse in 2 Corinthians? We, we, we call it um, the, grace, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the, and, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship, the, the, the relationship, the, the intimacy, the interaction, the communion. God wants us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we saw that the Holy Spirit is with you all the time. The Holy Spirit is in you and he is with you. And you can talk to him. And you can ask him questions. And you can call on him to help you. And he knows everything. And he wants to lead and guide and direct your steps. But if you ignore him, you will end up with something lacking from your Christian life. The Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you. But like I say, some people are just afraid. Some people have seen the excesses. And I have seen it all over the years. And it makes them withdraw and back up. You know, a number of years ago, I was invited to speak at an evangelical conference of about 200 leaders. At the time, I, I was just finishing up my time in Lurgan. And I'd started a thing on a Sunday night called Arise in the Jethro Center. Uh, trying to reach 16 to 35-year-olds, the group that tend to be absent from churches, 16 to 35-year-olds. And over time, it had grown to maybe 200, 250 people. So I was invited to this conference to speak about, you know, how we were reaching these people. Because the people there were well-meaning and they wanted to reach people. And I shared about the worship and the preaching and I shared about the structure. And then I said, and we welcome the Holy Spirit. And we allow the Holy Spirit to move. And we have prophetic and we, we, we're open to the gifts of the Spirit. And a cold breeze blew through that place and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. You would have thought, like, by the look in the guys' faces, the leaders in the front row had walked up and punched their wives in the face. You know, the look they were giving me. 
And they just shut off at that point and they didn't want to hear anything else. And a guy got up to speak immediately after me. So I get off the stage. Another guy gets up to speak. He's a church planter. And he says this. He looks at the crowd. And he looks at me and he says, Do you know what? I used to believe what that young man believed. But then I grew up in my faith. At that stage, I did want to punch him. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And he stopped me. But, uh, but I, I, in that moment, can I be really honest? I, I felt grieved. I felt grieved for me. I was embarrassed. But remember last week, Ephesians 4, we learned that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. I felt the Holy Spirit was grieved. I felt the Holy Spirit was grieved. Imagine if every time your name was mentioned, people, people talked about you in a negative way. I'm sure these people meant well, and their theology in many other areas was right. But when it came to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was simply part of their salvation, but that was it. That was the only job the Holy Spirit did was lead them to Christ. And they had pushed them to the side. And I felt that they were really, really lacking and missing out on something that God has for them. And I know there's some people who are weird in the church. Not necessarily in this church, although there are. Um, In every church, but particularly Holy Spirit churches. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've all met the weird tambourine woman or the flag woman or whatever that, you know. Like, there's some people who, you, when you go to charismatic or Pentecostal churches, there's some people who are weird. Can I say to you, the Holy Spirit doesn't make them weird? They'd be weird wherever they are. If they were a train spotter, they would be a weird train spotter. If they were a bird watcher, they would be a weird bird watcher. If they were a train driver, they would be a weird train driver. The Holy Spirit does not make them weird. Okay, But I know that sometimes we look at them and go, I don't want to be like that. And God would say, I'm not weird. I just want to empower who you are. I want to empower who I have made you to be. I just want to bring into fullness and the richness of who you already are. This morning I want to look at what it means to be filled, baptized in, baptized off baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I want to be as clear as I can. Because I'm aware that for many people, this is a subject that can cause confusion, that can even cause division within the church. And so I am going to keep everything to Scripture. Normally, in this season, or in this this part of the, the series, I would have moved on to the gift of tongues. I'm not going to do that today. I'm simply going to talk about the filling, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm aware that some of you will have heard this many times, and I'm also aware that some of you will have never heard this before. But whatever stage you're at, I want us all today, at the end of this, to pray for a fresh filling, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? The the term baptize in or baptize off the Holy Spirit occurs seven times in the New Testament. Four times in the Gospels, if you look at them, Matthew 3 says this. I, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Same thing in Mark 1.8. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And 
John 1.33, slightly different. I would not have known him, this is John speaking, except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the, one, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So here we have all four Gospels talking about this thing called baptism in the Holy Spirit. Who does the baptizing? Jesus. It's not a church. It's not a denomination. Jesus is the one. The one who paid the price for your sin. The one who died on the cross and rose again. He is the one who baptizes his people in the Holy Spirit. It's not a denomination, it's not me, it's not some weird culty thing. It is Jesus who baptizes his people. Then we go to the book of Acts. Jesus is risen from the dead, he's about to go back to heaven and he says to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. I like getting gifts. The Holy Spirit is a gift. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The two other mentions of baptism and the Holy Spirit are Acts 11 and 1 Corinthians 12, if you're taking those. But let me stay here at the beginning of Acts. Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples are pretty excited about this. They want to go out and they want to tell people. They want to go into Jerusalem and they want to start proclaiming, the one you crucified has been raised. But Jesus says, don't go. I know you want to go. I know you think you're ready, but you're not ready. Because he had been with these guys over the last three years. He knew what Peter was like. He knew what John and James were like. And he had seen them mess up again and again as they tried to do things in their own strength. And so Jesus says, do not go yet. I want you to wait. Wait for what? He tells us in Acts 1 verse 8, a few verses later. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Just as an aside here. I know some of well, you will have noticed that I say power and not par. And you may think, Craig, you're very posh. Can I say that is not the case? I used to say par. And then when we moved to Dublin 2016, I said par and people thought I was talking about a golf course. A par three. And we had 25 nationalities in the church. I used to say, and the power of God will come. And they'd be like, the what of God? The power. And so we had to get used to saying power. So it's not that we're posh. We just got used to people trying to understand us. And now we kind of are in the habit and we kind of like it. And I, 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 I quite like the sound of it. Try it. After three, say power the way you normally said. One, two, three. Power. Now say power. One, two, three. Power. You all sound so much more BT9. Like, I mean, honestly, just something for you to think about this week. Try it and work in the canteen and just see people look at you weirdly. You know, is there any power in that chainsaw? Where have you been at the weekend? But power, okay? So I'm just going to say that's the only reason, okay? My wife's a wee bit more posh than I am. But anyway, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to be my witnesses, Jesus says, don't try and go out and share the gospel. Don't try and go out and proclaim the resurrection until you receive the power because it will be your strength and your strength is not enough. You don't have what it takes. But when you receive the power, you will be my witnesses. You see, most of us, we hate the thought of witnessing. Sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. But do you know what it says here? You won't witness. You will be my witnesses. In other words, it won't be something that you do. It will be something that you are. Yeah. 
You will be my witnesses. In other words, you will not be able to help testify about who I am. I was joking in the first service that when I first met Bex, I was in Lurgan at the time, and people you made fun of me because every sermon I managed to get Bex into it somewhere. And like every conversation I managed to, like, like somebody would say, Do you want a polo mint? And I'd be like, Becky drives a polo. Do you know what I mean? And, and it just became nauseating for everybody. But it's a wee bit like that. The, the Bible says, You will be my witnesses. In other words, when, the, when God comes and fills you with His Spirit, it will change how you speak. It will change how you live. It will change how you love. It will change how you serve. It will come out of your very pores. You won't be able to help it. Because you've got the power of God within you. What does that word baptize mean? But what does baptism mean? If you grew up in the tradition that I grew up in, it meant when you were three or six months old, your parents brought you in a man in a white dress, flicked water at your face. That's kind of, yeah, that's what happened to me. And I'm not demeaning that or diminishing that in any way. It's not my personal preference. But it is, it's, it's what happened to me. That is not what baptize means. In the New Testament, the word baptizo means this, to immerse, to submerge, to drench. It was a word that was used in the fabric industry when they were dyeing material. If you've ever got that dye on and you were dyeing a jumper or a pair of jeans or something, you don't flick it at the... You have to submerge the material. You have to hold it under the dye. You have to make sure that it gets in to every single fiber. That's what the word baptize means, to immerse, to drench, to submerge. And so what Jesus is saying is this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just you receiving a wee bit. It is where you are drenched, where you're submerged, where you're completely covered with the Holy Spirit. Soaked through. And God desires that every Christian receive this. And the next question then might come to mind is this. It's a logical question. Was I not baptized in the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian? That's a really good question. It's one of those questions that causes a lot of confusion and disagreement. Or is there two stages? Is there conversion and then baptism in the Spirit? Let me, let me start by saying this, and this is important. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. If you are a believer... If you have bowed the knee to Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your saviour, the Holy Spirit lives within you. The king has no second class kids. Okay? You have the Holy Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Later on in 1 Corinthians it says we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian, I don't want you to ever believe that you don't have the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the moment you repented, the moment you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart. The Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. However, that does not necessarily mean you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between taking a drink of water and standing under a waterfall. When you take a drink of water, the water is in you. When you stand under a waterfall, you're in the water. 
I was trying to think of, I've been trying to think of illustrations for these, these talks, and this is probably the best one I could come up with. So, in, in the Bible, very often water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. John 7, Jesus said, rivers of living water will flow from you. And it says, by this, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so imagine this is me, which isn't hard because I've got my face on it. Okay? You have no idea the expense I don't spare for you lot, okay? Like, seriously. I'm trying to open this with one hand. Okay. So imagine that, well, you don't need to imagine this is me. You can tell this is me, okay? This is me. I give my life to Jesus Christ. I bow the knee. I repent of sin. The Holy Spirit. I'm going to move my phone. The Holy Spirit. comes and lives within me. Okay. The moment I give my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in me. But what does baptize mean? To submerge or to drench. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you're also in the Holy Spirit. And he covers and he saturates every single part of you. Do you see the difference? And do you know what it's really a question of? It's a question of surrender. That's what I've been, I've been wrestling with this. And what does it, it's actually a question of surrender. It's a question of, of, of saying, Jesus, I just want all of you. Because do you know what happens with many Christians? We put our hand up at a meeting or a crusade or a, mission or we go to the front and we pray a prayer and we're born again in that moment and the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us but we have these parts of our lives that are off limits we have these parts of our lives that Jesus you can come here 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 and here but but this part I I am not letting you into when when we got married I had been the curate the assistant in in Lurgan and Shankle Lurgan for three years and and so I, I was living in the curatage, and it was a bit of a bachelor pad at the time, and the, one of the living rooms had been turned into a gym, and my room was very much sort of greys and blues. And, and uh, as our wedding was approaching, I realised, you know what, if Becky was going to move in here, I needed to make it a little bit more Becky-friendly. And so I moved the, the gym stuff up into my study, and I, I changed some of the blues to, to more neutral colours, and, and I wanted to make the home more welcoming to, to, to my wife. But there was one room my man gave that I didn't want her in. And so I, I put a lock on the door and there was a, a retina scanner and a, and a fingerprint sensor. And then if she did come in when I wasn't there, there were those lasers. lasers. And, uh, and, 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 and No, there wasn't. Some of you are looking at me like, there wasn't. But imagine if I had one room in that house and I said, Bex, you're not allowed in here. She wouldn't have felt particularly welcome in any of the homes. And I think so many of us have that one room in our hearts. And we say, Holy Spirit, you can come in here, 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 and here, but don't, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that thing from my past that I'm still angry and bitter about. Don't touch that area in my life because I actually, that addiction, I actually like it. I know I want to be free from it when I feel bad, but, but it's, I actually quite like it. And that anger problem, you know what? Sometimes people deserve for, for me to be angry with them. 
And we shut those things off and the Holy Spirit is saying, well, you shut off that room. I find it really hard to feel welcome. And so baptism in the Holy Spirit is not some big hyper-spiritual, hyper-emotional thing. It is simply surrender. It is simply where you say, have it all. Holy Spirit, come and fill every room. And can I say it is, it is, a, it is an event, but it is not a one-off event. I don't have this verse, but Ephesians 5.18 says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or, 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 or wrong living, but be filled with the Spirit. And that word, be filled, means be ongoing, continually filled. Every day of my life, I say, Holy Spirit, baptize me. Holy Spirit, fill me. So yes, there is an initial baptism of the Spirit, if you've never actually asked him to do that. But it is not a one-off event. It is something that we, we do every day because we need his power. We need his presence. I can't live this. I can't do this. The thought of trying to do what I do without the Holy Spirit. The thought of you trying to do what you do without the Holy Spirit. He comes and he fills you and he empowers you and he equips you and he anoints you for service and he gives you gifts. He wants to give you so much more. And so many of us have been comfortable. We've been brought out of Egypt. We've been brought out of slavery. And thank God for that. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the resurrection. But we've got stuck at Easter Sunday and we've never moved on to Pentecost. And we have never experienced the crossing the Jordan into the fullness of the inheritance that God has for us. And God would say to you, I have so much more. Don't spend your life wandering in the wilderness. Don't spend your life looking at other people who are enjoying a spiritual life that you want. Do you know what? It is available to you. You have as much of God as you want. That's the conclusion I've realized recently. I have as much of God as I want and you do. I have as much of the the life of the Holy Spirit within me as I choose to have. Because he doesn't force his way in. We welcome him in. And many people are missing out on so much because they don't, either they don't want that or they simply don't know it. They don't actually realize that that God has this available to them. Sorry, I just, I don't want to leave something out here, no. You know, there's a story I've told before about a man who years ago was going to the States it was before there were airplanes, and so you had to take a, a boat, a, a, a large liner, and he didn't have a lot of money, so he saved for a ticket. And uh, he didn't have enough for the meals, and so he brought crackers and cheese with him, enough for the two-week journey. And every day he would look in through the glass doors of the restaurant at the people eating their beautiful food. They were dressed up, and he would smell the steak, and he would smell can't afford it and he would sit in the corner eating his crackers and cheese and this would happen day after day some nights he would even dream about being able to go in there and do what they they were eating and this went on for about 10 days of the journey and then one day a man came up to him and said excuse me sir i hope you don't mind me saying but i have noticed that every time i'm in the restaurant eating my food you're outside eating your crackers and cheese why don't you come in and the man was a bit embarrassed and he said actually i would love to but I could only afford enough for the ticket for the journey. I couldn't afford the food. And the man looked at him confused and said, but sir, didn't you know 
when you bought the ticket for the journey, the food was included. And when Jesus Christ died and rose again on the cross, and when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we don't just get forgiveness of sins, as wonderful as that is. And we don't just get a hope of heaven, as wonderful as that is. We get the fullness of his spirit. It's part of the package. He has paid for it. Why would you not want to, John 10, 10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Does that describe your life? I know it doesn't always describe mine. I want the abundant life that Jesus promised. And that can only come through us opening our lives and our hearts to the Holy Spirit. But many people, like I said, have never understood this. Maybe that's you. I grew up in a a great church and I'm so thankful for my, my upbringing. But we were never taught this stuff. I was never taught this when I was younger. I was taught about the Father, I was taught about Jesus, I was never taught about the Spirit. And so therefore, I, I, I didn't know I needed to be filled with the Spirit. I didn't even know there really was a Holy Spirit. Like I said, they called him the Holy Ghost and that freaked me out, so I just kind of stayed away from the whole thing. And we see that actually in the book of Acts. Just two passages really quickly. Acts 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaria had accepted the word of the Lord, had accepted the word of the Lord. Okay, so they've accepted the word of the Lord. They sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they've accepted the word of the Lord. They've been baptized into the Lord Jesus. Are they Christians? Not a trick question. Yes, but they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. They pray for them, the Holy Spirit fills them. Exactly the same thing happens in Acts 19, verses 1 and 2. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul meets this bunch of Christians in Ephesus, these bunch of believers. Because it says that they were disciples and it says they had believed. They were believers. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, if the Holy Spirit automatically baptizes every Christian, why would you even ask that question? It would be like asking, did you get a steering wheel when you bought the car? It doesn't make sense. So Paul obviously had some doubt that even though these people were believers, that they had received the fullness of the Spirit. And they look at him with blank stares and they say, the holy who? We don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit. And there's millions of people in churches today, they've heard of Jesus, they've accepted him as Savior, they're going to heaven, but they've never heard about the person and power of the Spirit. So Paul says to them in verse 3, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And then it says, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. In other words, your sins were washed away. That's great. He told people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. That's great. But it wasn't enough. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Two cases in the book of Acts where people were clearly Christians. They were believers, but they hadn't experienced the fullness of the Spirit. Next week, we'll look at Pentecost. We'll look at the whole area of tongues. But I want you to see something. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, not just some of them. Because maybe you're one of those people who have ruled yourself out. You go, Craig, that's all right for you. That's all right for some people. 
Do I say the Holy Spirit is available for every person? You don't need to have a theological degree. You don't need to be morally perfect. You don't need to have all your, everything lined up. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill every single person here. Every single person watching. He wants to fill you. But maybe you're nervous. Maybe you're worried about what that would mean. Maybe I've heard some people say, well, what if another spirit comes in? I think Jesus preempted questions like that. And as I finish, I just want to read something Jesus said in Luke 11. So I said to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For some people who ask to receive. No, for everyone who asks to receive. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Then he said this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? We serve a how much more God. Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Most of you will know if a little boy called Elijah is eight years old. And you know the way that love language thing where there's different five love languages, meaningful touch, quality time and whatever. Elijah's is uh, gifts. He loves gifts. Like he just loves getting gifts. And I love getting him gifts because he loves getting gifts. Because I just see how much joy it brings him for about four minutes. And, uh, but he loves getting gifts. But I would never get him a gift that would harm him. Harm him. I mean, I have bought him a pen knife, but uh, but I would never intentionally want to give him anything that would harm him. I would never want to. Why? Because I'm his father and I love him. And Jesus says, "Yeah, but even though you're evil, you will give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?" So you know what it really comes down to: it's, Do I trust the Father? Do I trust the Father that if I ask him for the Holy Spirit to fill me, to baptize me, do I trust him that I will receive the Holy Spirit? And it's not an emotional thing. Some of you, when you pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, you will experience certain sensations, maybe bodily, whatever. Some of you will experience nothing. I remember I talked in the first week about I'm the guy who never experiences a thing. Like 500 people can be on the floor under the par, slain in the spirit, and I'll be the guy standing there looking around going, I feel nothing. So, and I remember, I'll talk a little bit more about this, this next week. When I was prayed to be baptized in the spirit as a teenager, I was with my friend Simon. He immediately started speaking in tongues, and I stood there and not a word, not a word. So it's not to do with temperament or personality. It's simply about you asking. And when you got saved, some of you, when you got saved, you felt something. Some of you felt nothing. But you know how you're saved? By faith. You receive by faith. The Bible says if you ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, by faith he comes in and he is Lord of your life. It's exactly the same. So I want to pray in a moment for us to be filled with the Spirit, to be baptized, to be immersed in the Spirit, 
And if you feel nothing, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to say, I felt nothing maybe when I was saved, but I am by faith believing that today I am baptized in the Spirit. I am t- I'm receiving it. I am receiving it by faith. And you know, there's some people that are a little bit slower than others. I always say it's like getting into a swimming pool. When you're in your holidays and you're by the pool, some of you are the people who run to the deep end and jump in. And some of you are like me and you take one step at a time. One step at a time. But you know what the result is at the end? You're both in the water. And some of you are ready to jump into a wall. And some of you are like, I'll just take one step at a time. And that's okay. But you know what the result is? You're in the water. I'm going to pray now. Would you close your eyes? Thank you for listening. Thank you for journeying with me. I'm simply going to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would baptize us. I'm going to pray it for myself. And if you would like it, would you pray it? Would you repeat the words in your heart and receive it by faith? Jesus, thank you that you have died for me. Thank you that you rose again. And thank you that you're the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, baptize me, please. Immerse me in your presence. Soak me, drench me in your presence. I open up my heart, my life. I open up every room to you. I surrender those spaces and places that I've kept closed. Holy Spirit, I can't do this any longer without you. I've been trying to do this Christian thing in my own strength. And I'm tired. I'm so tired. So Holy Spirit, would you come and take control? Holy Spirit, please fill me. I receive by faith. I receive by faith the baptism in the Holy Spirit.